Outcomes Rocket Nation, Saul Marquez here. I want to talk to you about growing your practice. Fullscript is a virtual dispensing platform that helps practitioners dispense professional-grade supplements, improve patient adherence, and grow their practice from anywhere. When you write prescriptions, they're sent to your patients via text or email, and when they place an order, their supplements get shipped right to their door, eliminating your inventory costs. It's loaded with features like EHR integration to save time, patient wellness content to stay top of mind, and adjustable profit margins to control revenue. It integrates with your way of working and with your patients' day-to-day lives. Best part of it all, it's free. So try Fullscript today. If you're considering adding supplements to your treatment plans, visit fullscript.com rocket for an extensive guide on supplements and drug nutrient depletion and interactions. Visit fullscript.com rocket. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. So glad you tuned in again. Today, I have a privilege of hosting John Black. He is the Chief Executive Officer at MediView. John is a physiologist with educational background from Bowling Green State University. As an allied health professional, John has experience in developing new medical devices, including design, regulatory approval, and market launch. John has extensive industry sales management experience in diagnostic imaging, orthopedics, neurosurgery, and capital equipment segments. He finds professional fulfillment as a partner in cancer therapy innovations, which is what we're going to be talking about today, the area of focus for MediView. So John, I'm so privileged to have you here on the podcast today. Thanks for joining. Thanks, I appreciate it. Absolutely. So before we dive into MediView and the great work you guys do in surgical navigation and oncology, I'd love to, to learn more about what inspires your work in healthcare. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, flat out, it's, it's dignity. I've looked at my career in medical device, and I've had the opportunity to sell biologics, implants, durable medical equipment, bone growth stimulators. And I really lacked that sense that I was really being purposely engaged in the patient outcomes to the extent that I was capable of doing. And so that's really what led to MediView is just trying to have dignity in my career and invent something that truly brings significant into that cancer care continuum. And, and that truly is what inspires me to be here today. That's great. You know, and so you've had a chance to feel and experience a lot of different verticals within the healthcare space on the med device side. But you're like, there's something missing. And the way I'm going to do it is by approaching it myself. Now, cancer is one of those things, those areas that does require a lot of people to be involved to really get outcomes that we need. We're not doing a good enough job. There's a lot of great work being done, but we're not doing a good enough job. So tell us a little bit about how. MediView is is adding value to healthcare and the healthcare ecosystem? That's a great question. So we are adding value to the healthcare system three ways. So I break it down by the clinician himself, the hospital, and most importantly, the patient. So the clinician, and I'll, I'll go so far as to say the clinician's uh, spouse or partner mm-hmm. is actually a benefactor as well. Our technology was built after Carl West had lost his mentor, Dr. Roy Greenberg, to cancer associated with excessive radiation exposure. Mm-hmm. So at the very core of what we're doing, the technology was developed as a way to mitigate radiation and in minimally invasive procedures. And um, the passion behind the inventors is palpable every time you work with them every single day. The healthcare ecosystem, when it came down to the hospital system or the value analysis that would come through it, we did some initial assessments, and this surgical navigation system dramatically reduces the time it takes to actually localize the tumor 
find your trajectory to that lesion to percutaneously come in and just kill it. So, and then the biggest value proposition, the one that was the most compelling to me was the fact that you can have better outcomes. I've had the opportunity to work with surgeons and it is terribly demanding to see what they do every single day. I mean, you're forced as a clinician to use radiology to take a two-dimensional picture displayed on a 2D screen and then reconstruct that in your mind. And so you're applying this 2D technology to solve a 3D problem. And Mm -hmm. it becomes terribly taxing on the physician. And we saw a better way for this that helps patients to where these these guys can ablate larger tumors and better accuracy. And at the end of the day, if if we add one single day to a patient's life or or maybe save a life through this technology and, and increase outcomes, man saw at the end of the day, I got to tell you, that's, that's really what keeps me going. I love it. That would certainly get me up early and keep me up late as well. Tell us about the technology, John. You know, what about it is different than, than what's available today? And uh, just, you know, how does it work? Uh, I'm going to go with literally everything. <laughs> so right now, every navigation system you've seen requires you to look back at a 2D monitor. What MediU has licensed and then subsequently built is 3D visualization, where you don a headset and essentially you have Superman vision. You see in real time, perfectly overlaid and registered to the patient, the internal anatomy, the critical structures that you need to miss on your pathway to the tumor and the tumor itself so that you can pre-plan in full 3D. I'm not talking 3D like you see in video games. I'm talking volumetrically reproduce that patient's anatomy and register it to the patient. So it's as real as looking at somebody who's actually in the room. Uh, you know, when we give demos of the technology, one of the things that I absolutely just get a kick out of is yeah. we create this hologram. And this hologram is real. It's light that's hitting that person's eyes and it shows it as being, you know, just full 3D. And every single time we do this, the person doing the demonstration actually walks around the hologram as if it's there <laughs> in real life. That's the impact that it has. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more intuitive and it just helps these guys rocket through these surgeries and the, the clinician confidence is tremendous at the end of these procedures. Super fascinating, John. Thank you. And you know, the application of augmented reality uh, and 3D, you know, virtual reality, fascinating to me. So you're saying that now they could do all of their planning in a very real way. How is it that you guys produce the images uh, that, that simulate reality. What kind of technology are you using for that? The technology we're using is a mixture of several different things and a lot of that we've grown organically within our company. So okay. we are partnered right now with Microsoft for oh, their cool. augmented reality technology. We're actually deployed on HoloLens too. We have our last case with HoloLens 1 this coming Friday for a kidney tumor ablation, which will be first in human. Um, and then we use the Microsoft platform. So their ecosystem allows us to have a completely interconnected health device. So one of the things that, that we leveraged is our medical device actually has Dynamics 365 or this Microsoft Teams, if you've seen that recently with the telehealth uh, merger. That's what we use. And so in the middle of a procedure or in pre-surgical planning, you can actually phone a friend and display the holograms and interact with them to try to collaborate on getting the best plan that they possibly can. So we we are utilizing that technology. And then uh, we use electromagnetic tracking and some pretty heavy software from a brilliant uh, scientist at the Cleveland Clinic named Jeff Yanoff. Wow. Very cool. So uh, just kind of piecing together the different tech stacks 
and uh, and imaging technologies to get those views. So this is primarily being used for preparation, right? And like putting together the the surgical plan. No, this is intraoperative navigation. Um, okay. Okay. So so you're actually seeing it. Just tell me more about that. <laughs> so so yeah. a lot of what a lot of what you see in this realm is is exactly as you described. It's pre-surgical planning. Right. We're not pre-surgical planning. We are attempting to disrupt in every single way we can by using holography as the primary means of surgical navigation. So right now we are on patient eleven this Friday for an IRB approved inhuman evaluation. And this has given us just incredible feedback on the user experience. So we talk about user-centered design. We truly do that here. But this is an, it, our intended use is for the ablation and biopsy of soft tissue and bone will be our FDA indication that we hope to have submitted uh, later next year. Man, so cool. I love this. And I mean, this is truly a huge uh, leap forward in the approach. How would you say the technology has improved outcomes or you plan that it would improve outcomes once it, it gets, uh, you know, starts to be used normally? Definitely hope and are hoping to quantify via some qualitative and quantitative metrics and have lower reoccurrence of those lesions leading to more accuracy. So, um, and then the efficiency is, is Saul, when you see the clinician, what usually is a several hour procedure to really localize the tumor, get the right angle for it, assess what's in the way, takes a fraction of time when you use holography. It's, mm. it's basically just peering into it to where we've done some ad hoc experience, but my eight year old son can successfully perform a, an ablation of a tumor on the dome of the liver, which is a pretty challenging procedure with about 80% accuracy in alternate <laughs> reality. So it, it really makes the procedure just that much more straightforward through visualizing the anatomy and its real orientation in real time. I love it. So, you know, I'm just wondering where did the inspiration for this came from? Um, it, it really was around finding a better way to visualize. And mm -hmm. the co-inventor Carl West is so passionate about this. He had spent his early part of his career as a biomedical engineer trying to find way to allow the medical devices to show more under fluoroscopy using mm -hmm. radiation. And he had this epiphany that, that instead of just allowing for things to be done with more radiation, what if we tried to eliminate the radiation completely and really focus right. on the visualization? And we have tremendous amount of data. When you have a CT scan, you can recreate that and segment that anatomy out and really focus on what you need to get to, and also what you need to avoid on the pathway there. And that was really the genesis of it. I think it's great. And just thinking through oncology being one thing, but how many procedures that are radiation heavy and the risk that a lot of clinicians experience, I think of the quadruple aim and innovation, what a great way to, to help out our clinicians with this. Yep, you nailed it. So it, uh, we hope that this is truly a platform technology. We, today, we are heavily focused in trying to maintain a clear course and trajectory to get through our first FDA 510K, mm -hmm. uh, which we hope to have submitted as a, kind of an intermediate product that doesn't have the full navigation spectrum, but that will be submitted to the FDA by the end of this year, and then the full-blown navigation system shortly thereafter. But we want to move into other areas. I see pediatric deformity correction, mm. a lot of orthopedic and orthopedic spine procedures oh, yeah. as tremendously underserved. You look at interventional pain management and the opioid crisis. If you can give clinicians 
a easier pathway to the anatomy of interest and do it faster, we, we really are going to be in a disruptive state where this technology will be forced into adoption because it's it has that big of a value proposition for every stakeholder in the healthcare continuum. Yeah, for sure. And so do you need an initial CT or do you need an initial, you know, kind of full 360 fluoroscopy image or what do you what's the base there of, of imaging that you need? So for our minimum viable product, yes, we still need that base MRI or CT. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we know that for true scalability, you're, you're not always going to be able to get that CT. So we're working on some confidential ways to get a 3D volumetric reconstruction done using uh, no ionizing radiation. And I'll have to leave that a little bit of a trade secret for right now. Fair enough, man. Uh, But certainly promising, right? I mean, you're going to have to go in for that MRI or that CT anyway for diagnosis. So you could pull from that anyway. Correct. So if you look at... No, we're using a little bit of AI right now to take different imaging modalities and actually use the CT as a a training set uh, to build a 3D volumetric reconstruction using non-invasive or non-ionizing radiation such as ultrasound. So we've, we've demonstrated our first AI segmentation algorithm with about uh, 0.91 uh, reproducibility in, in our prototype. So we're pretty enthusiastic about that right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, we think about getting more for our healthcare dollar, you know, and the CTs and the MRIs that are taken, and they serve their purpose once the diagnosis is made. Talk about taking it to the extra mile there and getting even more with that image. To me, that's just like, it makes sense. And it, and you talk about ROI for some of these systems to do MRI and CT, you guys are helping them out. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and honestly, Saul, I think that, and maybe I see this in, in this course of my career, but I, I hope that we're laying the framework. By using this segmentation and this holography, we have an XYZ and coordinate system of every point in the human body for these procedures. That's a tremendous amount of data. And now you're linking that preoperative data and with real operative outcomes. Um, I, I, you know, when you talk about dignity and significance in my medical device career, that's really where I hope that long-term effect is. Um, I think back to uh, cervical plates. You know, working in the orthopedic industry, there was a, a paper that came out by Dr. Park, um, oh gosh, almost a decade ago, that showed that if a plate was lower profile, you had less adjacent level disc disease. And that changed a, a market that was commoditized with different cervical plates and forced everybody to change their entire design rationale on a technology that had been around for two decades. That's really what I hope we learn from this data we're collecting is that you're taking that CT and you're making it go farther by taking it and making it interact with the real operative environment and then tying it to outcomes. Love it. This is so great. And and the promise is big for patients, physicians. Talk to us about setbacks. What have you guys experienced thus far that, that became a big learning that's made you guys better? Um, the interconnected health device was a huge setback in the software encoding that went with that. We decided that in 2017, this we could not abandon having something that was truly interconnected. And to be honest, all we had a lot of criticism. The world was not ready for a teleprocedure system that you know you'd have to overcome challenges with latency and how you networked and streamed that data. Those were huge challenges, uh, and so we had a lot of uh, constructive criticism that we welcomed because it allowed us to build the framework to reduce latency uh, to acceptable to the clinician. And then, as you know, COVID happened. Right, And all of a sudden, the, the idea turned into something that was uh, not years ahead of its time, 
but just at the right time. And and that was a huge setback. But at the beginning, because we had such criticism over the things that come with an interconnected health device, we had to solve for those technically. And it was a huge challenge for our chief technology officer, uh, Mina Fahim, who has been a rock star through this development process. But you guys held strong. So you must believe this interconnected health device portion of it is is important. Why is that? Well, um, there is always the need for that confidence from the clinician to, to bounce his ideas or his strategy in the OR other people. Mm-hmm. Um, in our first device that will be released at the end of this year, what we're finding is there is a huge value proposition for having the ability to phone a friend in vertically and horizontally integrated health systems. Take, for example, common procedure, a bedside procedure called a thoracentesis. Clinician has to put a needle in the, the back of the patient in the pleural space and drain fluid off the lung. Right now, that procedure is typically done by a pulmonary or critical care specialist or a interventional radiologist who is really at that high end of specialty pay and cost to the hospital system. It can be done by an advanced nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, or a non-specialized doctor. Now, imagine if you've got somebody at a rural satellite clinic that can now don a HoloLens, fire up his ultrasound, and phone the interventional radiologist 200 miles away and get real-time interactive feedback on if he's in the right location and giving him the confidence to go ahead with that procedure. The efficiencies recognized that were amazing when we did our initial economic model. So we're looking forward to to getting in that and actually proving that model out. That's cool. And just, I mean, access, right? We're talking about access. Yeah. If you could do it there, why wouldn't you be able to do it in Africa or you name it, right? Our chief medical officer, if I had uh, Dr. Chuck Martin talking me through a procedure, I'm confident I could do a thoracentesis. <laughs> so I would not recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man, that's so cool. That's so great. You know, and, and uh, just having that vision, folks, you, you know, you, you hear the, it was a setback for John and his team, but yet they held strong with their CTO and everybody else involved to make this interconnected health device work. So the encouragement to you as you listen to this is if you have a technology or a process and you know that it's the way it, it goes and they, they were open to feedback. So John, you know, you mentioned, hey, we got a ton of feedback and we're glad we got it, but you guys held your course and it actually is beginning to work out. So, you know, great inspiration for everybody listening that may be in that valley of death, as they call it, um, to, to develop those devices to fruition. What would you say makes you most excited? today, John? Um, I'm going to go back to patients. Um, we spent this Friday night in the interventional radiology suite doing a walkthrough and prepping for a tumor ablation uh, global first in human kidney that we're going to evaluate this Friday. And the idea that the work we we're doing right now could possibly send somebody home without having to worry about that tumor anymore and go spend time with their family and do what they love, you know, so time is, is the only thing nobody can buy more. Of. And, mm-hmm. and that really keeps us going. And I'm most excited about that. If I can look back and just say, wow, I actually did something that was meaningful in my career, did it well and helped other people. And that's, I got to tell you, that's what I'm shooting for. I love it. It's a great, great inspiration and definitely something to be excited about. Um, man, great stuff, John. Uh, folks, if you have any, any questions, if you're curious, it's mediview.com, M-E-D-I-V-I-E-W.com check them out there. But also, uh, John will give you a, a way to contact him or somebody on his team here shortly. But before that, give us a closing thought, John. And uh, what should we be thinking about as we turn the corner from our conversation with you and then leave us with that best uh, place to get in touch? 
Absolutely. Well, Saul, you know, I, I thought about this and I, I really would just like to encourage the other medical device professionals, engineers to consider the phase in, in which we're in right now. The value proposition for what a medical device should do is rapidly changing. And I think a lot of people get stuck in those big companies and those big organizations where innovation is hard, right? There's a lot of stakeholders, a lot of things that need to be protected uh, within a company and, and a, a bum product launch can really pull them down and damage some reputation. In the startup world, it's different. You get to apply your skill set, all your world experiences every single day. And so I would just encourage people out there that if you've ever had that, that passion for innovation or want to build something or have just realized that something is not right in the medical world, in the OR, in, the, in just the caregiver's room, doesn't matter what it is, I would encourage everybody to, to really consider taking that shot on goal and diving into the startup world. It's been tremendously rewarding, tremendously stressful, but at the end of the day, you're betting on yourself. Love it, John. What a great, great message for all you med device uh, folks out there. Definitely listen and uh, and act on it because it's you know it's true, right? Once companies get huge, it's so hard, and and the risk aversion is so palpable that you know a lot of things don't happen because of it. There's so much talent out there, and you're listening to this. You have that talent. Uh, take that advice from John and take that leap if you see or hear or feel something could be so much better. John did it. He's in the process of doing it. John, for anybody interested in partnering, learning more, getting involved, what would you say is the best place for them to reach out? Um, via our website, our human resources manager, Terry Helms, keeps us pretty well in line. And anybody who reaches out will get a response. And Saul, I appreciate you saying that. And really with MediView, collaboration, right? So for holography to really achieve its full potential is going to take a lot of cross-pollination between different companies, different startups, big and small. So we encourage everybody to reach out. Uh, you will never hear nothing on the other end of the line. We will always get back in touch with you. Love it. Well, there you have it, folks. Just go to mediview.com and you'll find a way to get in touch through the website. And John, thank you so much, man. This has been exciting to hear about the work you guys are doing there. And I'm certainly looking forward to, as, as I'm sure the listeners are, to see how you guys do here in the next coming months when you go live with this thing. Well, I appreciate you, Saul. Thanks, man.